You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about another disability podcast that I think you'll love. The disability community is not a monolith. Within the community, there's people of different views, beliefs, and identities. And each individual person with a disability has a story to tell. And that's why we're here. Our podcast, You First by Disability Rights Florida, features firsthand interviews with disabled guests, scholars, and advocates covering a wide variety of disability-related issues. We have episodes on voting access, mental health, ableism in academia, disability and reproductive justice, disabled art, accessible video gaming, and much more. Our goal? To have you take away a new perspective on disability and bring awareness and insight to the world around you. You can listen to our latest episodes wherever you're listening now or visit us at disabilityrightsflorida.org forward slash podcast to learn more and find transcripts of all of our episodes. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember... This is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this all-new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am your deliciously disabled host, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, shall we? 
first things first, I gotta give a shout out to the wonderful people that support the show with their hard-earned dollars. I really do appreciate it. It helps me keep the light the lights on at Disability After Dark and in my own house, and sometimes it helps keep the fridge full. So I really appreciate you. And um I wanna give a shout out to Chris Murray, who pledged fifty dollars for the year. Thank you so much for that. Put in an annual pledge. I really appreciate it. And Chris Murray, your sexy but awkward shout out is this. Chris Murray, thank you for being in a hurry to pledge to the show. Never said the puns were good, but they're plentiful here. So thank you for your support, Chris. And if you want to support the show and get the show one day early, completely ad-free, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and sign up for as little as $1 a month up to $5 a month or more or, like Chris did, a yearly amount. If that works for your budget, I really do appreciate it. Just before we get started, friends, I have a couple things I want to shout out, some little housekeeping things I want to tell you about. Uh, my new sh- my new play all about sex and disability called Access Me premieres is having its world premiere in Toronto at 585 Dundas Street East in Toronto, the Daniel Spectrum Theatre, the Aki Studio, from June 16th to the 24th. So please, please, if you're in Toronto or if you want to come to Toronto, please come out and see our show. It's groundbreaking. It's one of a kind. It's an amazing, immersive show all about sex and disability. So if you're able to, please come out. And if you're in Toronto or you know someone in Toronto, please tell your friends. Tickets are accessible and affordable. Tickets start at $35 with accessibility tickets and disability tickets available. So consider coming out if you're able to. It's really fun, really sexy, really flirty, and you won't want to miss it. You can find out more at www.accessme.squarespace.com. One of the cool things that I get to do as a disability awareness consultant, and one of the awesome things that I'm going to tell you about right now, is something that I get to be a part of called SexTech TO Mixer. And this is really exciting. It's, it is put on, but it is Toronto's, let me try again. It is, but, but let me try this again. It is the SexTech TO Mixer. It is Toronto's first ever platform bringing together sex tech professionals and enthusiasts in Toronto. And I get to have a one-on-one conversation with my friend, my sexy friend, Lady Pim, who does a lot of work in the kink and sex tech area in Toronto. She's really cool. I really enjoy her. She's been on the show before. Um, so I'm going to get, going to be able to sit down with her on June 27th for the first ever debut industry event, Sex Tech TO Mixer. Tickets and info is available at www.sextechto.com. So if you want to see me live and in person for a cool, sexy event all about sex tech, and you know I'm creating the world's first disability-driven sex toy, the Bump and Joystick. So if you want to see that in person, because I'm going to bring it with me, uh, you can get tickets to this event in Toronto 
at sextechto.com. All right, enough rambling, but for real this time, let me introduce our awesome guest for today for a whole new episode. On the show today, I sit down with my friend, Maylin Chavez. She's really cool, and she's a really good friend of mine, and we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the years. Actually, as you'll hear in the show, I had, I recorded with her an original episode probably about a year and a half ago, and then I got busy, and the world got busy, and... I didn't release it because I'm the worst podcast host ever, uh, and so I reached back out to her and said, I loved having you on, do you want to redo another episode that's more current and not a year and a half late? She said, sure, and that's what we're going to, that's what you're going to hear today. So we talk about her experience with spinal muscular atrophy, she works for a a company at a conference called Cure SMA, we talk a little bit about that. We talk about her advocacy work. We talk about our differing experiences of care and how she's become so chill. We talk about her love of Fallout Boy um, and so many more things. She was such a gem to talk to. Uh, we, I just loved having her on and I loved hearing her perspectives on things and her laugh is infectious. This was an amazing interview and I'm really, really excited to bring it to you. She has a lot to say. And she's a she is a fierce advocate in the disability space that you all should know. So without further ado, here's my interview with Maylin Chavez right here on Disability After Dark. Maylin, hello. Hi. Hi. It's so nice to have you back on Disability After Dark. For the listener, you've not met. Maylin before but we recorded like I want to say a year and a half ago and then I just never released it because I'm the worst podcast host in the world <laughs> so I so I said to, to Maylin do you want to can we record again because you know things happen over a year and a half so I said do mm-hmm. you want to record again because like I loved our conversation and and I want to chat with you so here we are we're doing it again yeah, round two. <laughs> round two for us, round one for you folks listening. Um, <laughs> cool, so I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for being so flexible and wanting to chat with me again for the first time for you listeners. Um, but, Maylin, tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do. For sure. Um well, I am a Florida dweller. Um, I'm originally from Cuba. I was born there. And then me and my parents um, migrated when I was about one and four months. Um, and then when we were here, uh, I got sick and I was diagnosed with uh, spinal muscular atrophy type 2. And cool, cool. Yep, and then ever since then, I mean, just regular kid, you know, school, college, the whole thing. Um, I majored in psychology, and then I ended up just doing lots of different um, advocacy projects, uh, stuff about disabilities, stuff about inclusion. So I'm really happy to 
to kind of just taking a different path, I guess, and what I really expected I'd be doing. Um, and I've been able to work with so many different, you know, organizations and really cool people. So I'm super honored, super blessed, of course, you being one of them. I'm happy to be here again. Um, oh, I'm so and... happy to have you again. <laughs> I promise, listeners, this one will. This one's coming out really. If you're listening right now, it's coming out on June 11th, which is only two weeks after we recorded it. So good, it didn't take two years this time. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It'll be. It'll um, be I think your laugh is. I think your laugh's my favorite thing. I think your laugh's my favorite. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's sweet. I love it. That's my favorite compliment, so I love it. <laughs> it's it's such it's it's so infectious. It's, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit about. I have questions that I wrote down for us today. But before we get to that, you talked a little bit about advocacy and what you thought you'd be doing. What did you before you kind of decided to do disability advocacy? What did you What did you want to do? Well, I really wanted to. Uh, be a psychiatrist so I was planning on doing the whole med school route you know um, and then maybe working in like uh, I don't know teens or adult mental health uh, stuff like that um, but really what happened was that I had kind of like a family issue come up towards the end of my bachelor's and I really wanted to take care of that I really wanted to support this person and I was like you know I can't really commit to studying for med school right now um so I'm just gonna like take a gap year or whatever put that aside for the moment um because this was someone I thought, you know, really needed my help and support at the moment. So I was like, okay, we'll just wait on that a little bit. And then I ended up uh, having this great opportunity. I went to the um, Kirisune National Conference for the first time in 2017. And I went up to talk to one of the exhibitors um, for iGaze, the tablet computer device. And they just loved, you know, my knack, my aptitude, I guess, with the with the device itself. I was like really handy using it. And on top of that, you know, very willing and very expressive about uh inclusion in terms of communication and everything like that. So they offered me an internship and I took it and I've been able to do a lot of good things with them. So after that I was like, hey, I kinda like this. I wanna do this, you know, for, for my community, for disabled people. Wow, that's such a. That, I love how like sometimes those moments click, and you're like, "Oh, this is what I'm doing now." Like I went to school for law, and I was like, "I'm gonna be a lawyer. I'm gonna do all this stuff." And I like plan to go to law school and do all these things. And then my path also took a big shift of like, "Oh, I, I guess I'm doing disability now, and that's what I do." Yeah, it happens. Um, it happens when you least expect it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so many of us like try to run away from disability not run away but like you know we we try to do the quote-unquote normal jobs that people have and then when you realize when you get older and realize that like disability is a big part of your life and you start you start finding opportunities within that path it's really cool and I think 
you know, I've heard so much about Kira SMA. I've heard a little bit about that that conference. I know a little bit about it, and I have some friends with SMA. Um, and the fact that you're working with them is so cool and so important. And we need people with lived experience kind of pushing that stuff out there. For sure. And if I could plug myself for like two seconds, I have my first. Oh, do it. Plug, I have, plug away. I, I have my first panel this year at the Kirasumi conference and I'm so excited. <laughs> you're going to be fucking fantastic. You're going to be great. You just, your laugh is going to bring people, everybody into the room. So don't even worry about it. You'll be great. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Now I know, now the the title of the conference Cure SMA. I know some people listening right now are like, well, "What if they don't want to cure? How do you how do you feel about that?" It's super controversial, and I really, really understand the upset, you know, feelings behind it. I I think I've never minded it just because, like. At the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't want um, kids to be born with this, which is like one of the number one causes of infant death in the in the United States. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't want that for for people to come after me. Um, it's just problematic because of the way it's phrased, and I I get it. It's like it's kind of if it, it gives a little bit of like eugenics and like wanting to rid the world of this genetic mutation that we have, and that's completely valid. But at the same time, I I kind of I'm really able to just separate the two because I don't I I don't want a lot of the experiences I had to be repeated in, in newer generations. I want things to be better yeah. for them. Even even if it doesn't mean curing, you know, quote-unquote curing, we're going to eradicate the disease, but at least make it so much simpler to navigate, you know, for for newer families. It's such a complicated thing because I agree, I agree with everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I totally agree with that. And I have friends who live with SNA and have said the same thing. They're like, you know what? I just want to, I don't want to cure, but I just want to be a little bit better. Or I want to make sure that this doesn't happen to the next generation. Or I want to make sure that like everyone's okay. Um, and I know how polarizing when you put cure and disability into anything together, it's so polarizing right away. So mm-hmm. like maybe one day you can use your cool influence and your infectious laugh. To be like, hey, can we look at a way to change the name a little bit so it's less like polarizing? Maybe who knows? But like, maybe if if they they softened it a bit, would bring in more more like other disabled people who can talk about it without being upset by the name. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I think that one of the most important things about kind of being able to achieve that is by having more and more and more adults get involved and I think that they don't because of 
you know, stuff like the name of the organization, um, how they market, you know, SMA with like the cute little children and things like that. Yeah. I totally, I totally 100% get it. I really do. But at the same time, I'm like, none of that's going to change unless we get involved, unless we say something about it, unless we do something about it. So that's why I love to be active in the queer SMA community. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, I think everybody has to get involved more and to, to, um, just talk about it. And so, hey, here SMA, if you want some, some help coming up with a cool new name or a cool new conference idea, like I'm a marketer, Maylin's amazing. Talk to us. We'll help you. We'll help you. Absolutely. Um, um, okay. Let's, so let's, but let's shift gears a bit. So I want to talk to you about, I want to, one of the first things I ask all my guests on the show is I ask them to tell me what their disabilities are. And I, I think we can guess what your disability is, but <laughs> what their disabilities are and how their disabilities play a role in their day-to-day lives. Sure. Um, so with SMA and my you know, level of severity, um, essentially I have a nurse come in seven days a week for 16 hours a day and they help me out with just about everything. Um, bathing, getting dressed, getting in my wheelchair, um, you know, hair, makeup feeding the whole thing uh, and so I rely on someone for just about you know 99% of my activities I would say um, on my own I can like use my phone use my computer play video games whatever but everything else is up to another person um, and sometimes that's exhausting sometimes it's not I like to focus on the fact that uh, you know I'm grateful that someone's here to help me out and, and do these things for me but it's it can be super tricky as well when there's such a severe nursing shortage and finding new people sometimes if someone needs to go on vacation or has an emergency is such a pain to deal yeah. with yeah, and I fully understand the the feeling of having somebody to help you with all your basic stuff. Like you're mm-hmm. right, and I'm in I'm in a very similar situation of you, in that I can use my phone, I can use my computer, I can I can move around in my wheelchair. But once I'm, if I need anything else, I need somebody there, and that can be it's a really hard thing to reconcile with every day. Like, and like I think my CP, if I was to ask myself the same question. How does my CP affect my life? It informs everything I do with my day. I need somebody with me. I don't have them twenty. I don't have them sixteen hours a day, but I definitely I need them with me a lot more than than I get. And yeah. so I fully understand that frustration. And also, you have moments where you're like, "Fuck! I wish you would just go away." But I need you. <laughs> That's totally valid. Absolutely. And that can be like. How do you feel when the when those feelings come up where you're like, I'm grateful for you. I'm really grateful that you're here with me, but I'm also wishing you would go the fuck away. How do you how do you navigate that? I don't know, man. I'm such like a passive person. Like I'm so 
chill like like un, like unbearably sometimes unnaturally and everyone tells me that like my patience is on a different tier altogether so I you don't hardly ever catch me on a bad day and I think that's kind of a bad thing as well um I think like, it's kind of amazing can you teach uh, me your like zen chill ways because I need to learn some of that that's really I think that's great <laughs> yeah, I could, I could teach you. It's just something so, um, I don't know if it's fair to say like taught or like built into me after so many years of like dealing with nurses, caregivers, doctors, you know, what have you, that I just have like this really expansive amount of patience and kindness and like understanding about the whole thing so I will never I hardly ever get upset about any of that stuff I'm just like yeah it is what it is this is my day-to-day that's fine tomorrow's another day (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love it you're so chill I need to learn from you you used to write a book about how to be chill as a disabled person I would read it and I would learn from it um um, so in what other ways does your, other than having the care all the time, in what other ways does your disability play a role in your life? Um, well, um, I mean, it plays a role in my life now because I do so much advocacy stuff, um, for lots of different, you know, components, not just Karis May, but with eye gaze things and I do some classes at the university for like um healthcare disparities and inclusion and, and healthcare and things like that. So I'm a little bit all over the place in terms of the stuff that I work on, but um a lot of it is really about teaching, it's about educating, it's about like trying to make this world a little bit more accepting of disability and and I really try to take an active role on that and um but at the same time I think with everything there's such a duality in mankind it's like yeah I love teaching I love educating but at the same time I wish we didn't need to be asking these stupid fucking questions anymore about disability you know (laughs) yeah yeah I get it I'm in the same boat as you. I love educating. I love being an educator. Um, and I love doing it, but I also, fuck, the questions are so basic. Can we move a little bit deeper than that? Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I'll answer your basic fucking question if you pay me. Like, sure. No exactly. And I'll answer, I'll answer whatever the fuck you want. Um, I no, I love that you. I love that you. Like we sound very similar in our advocacy journey of like, of like you, you, you. Like I, I'm a freelancer, so I have my hand in a bunch of pies all the time. As long as it's yeah. connected to disability, that's what I do, and I think that's really cool. And I think the fact that you are so, I think your personality, just from the few minutes we've been talking, like I remember how chill you are, and it's so. It, I think that's a really good way to be about advocacy because I think when you teach people a lot of disabled folks and rightfully so 
they come in hot, they come in angry, they come in upset. And and that's that mentality all the time can make it hard for people to want to learn. And the, mm-hmm. because you're so chill, so easygoing, like I can imagine that people would be more apt to want to learn from you because you're just like, oh, I'm not going to get mad. We're just going to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, that's like really important to me and all the stuff that I do. Just really relax, open. Let's have a conversation. Let's discuss it. If you have a question, I'll explain it to you, whatever the case may be. Like, I'm just here because I truly, truly, truly want us as a whole, as a community, as a society to do better. And we can't accomplish that unless people like me, people like you just talk about it. Yeah, I totally agree. And we have to talk about it with, I think, with some humor, some comedy, some relaxedness, you know, and I think, I think you just from talking with you now, I'm like, oh, you're so chill. It's so cool how like relaxed you are. And I think, I think for me, like I'll speak about for myself. I think for me, that's after this conversation is done. I'm going to be like, cool. I have to, I'm going to be more like Maylin because like I need to do exactly that. I need to just be chill and relax and let the, let some of the anger go. Absolutely. We can, we can, we can chat about this later. I'll teach you all the ways how not to oh, be I depressed, did. how not to be depressed yeah. about shit. <laughs> I definitely want you please teach me. I will pay you top dollar to teach me all the way. Um, oh my God. Your laugh is my favorite. Your laugh is my favorite. It's my favorite. Um, so one of the things you mentioned on, on when I asked you the other day to tell me some questions that, or tell me some things you wanted me to, to talk to you about today. One of the things you mentioned was the intimacy. And you know how I love, you all know listening to how I love to chat about sex. It's my jam. <laughs> so I got to ask you, as a power wheelchair user yourself, can you share with us how, and I'm, I use power wheelchair user specifically here because I know people in manual chairs can do different things when it comes to intimacy. So I'm very specifically asking for you as a power chair user, can you share with us how intimacy looks for you as somebody with a disability? I mean, I think um, intimacy for me as a power chair user probably looks really daunting, and I hate that for myself. <laughs> I think it's like one of the largest barriers um, in, which, in in regards to that. I think that like the three hundred pound, four hundred pound rolling device is like really intimidating off the bat uh, for so many people and it's it's kind of like this really uphill battle to to break the ice on it to kind of dismantle any kind of fears about it I think that's like the largest struggle probably but after that I think people um, just kind of understand that I'm just a human rolling around in it I just exist in it and it helps me move so that's you know something that we all need to work on as well but other than that like what's there to say about it you know like I 
have needs, I have desires, I I have all these things that everyone else wants to have as well. And it's just about kind of really communicating that in an effective way so someone else can understand like, hey, I need you to be able to move me or, you know, how can we coordinate so that like um, a caregiver is there to assist, to transfer, to move, to drop me off, to pick me up, you know, th- you know so many yeah. intricacies that come with it. So it's just about, I, I'm always going to say this, communication is really key and it's really important in terms of navigating intimacy in whatever way, even if it's like solo or with a partner or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I think what you said about being in a 300, 400 pound chair, I'm in the same right now. And I, have, I have to say like, it is really daunting for people when they see that and you roll up to them and you're like, Hey, I had that, like, Hey, I had desires too. And they like, don't know how to navigate that. And it can be really frustrating because once you get me out of the chair, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that I can do and and can't do. But like my big joke with my wheelchair is like, you know, I always joke with with guys that I want to date. I was like, hey, want to touch my joystick? And you know, it's, a, it's like a big. It's I play with it. That's really great. I like that. That's that's really cute. <laughs> And like, but I understand also the the pressure to like, to to have to name your desire constantly and be like, I deserve intimacy and I deserve desire too. That can be really hard to to constantly feel that, that all the time and never really have access to it. Yeah, yeah, I think for sure. And like for me personally, a lot of um, issue I have with it, I guess it's it's not even just like you know let's say it's not even just sexual intimacy but just intimacy of any kind is something that has been super hard for me to attain because on top of the wheelchair I have the ventilator and people like super fucking scared of me they think of me like as some kind of porcelain doll and I I hate that because I want to be hugged I want to get a bagel hug I want to you know whatever whatever that looks like i want that as well and i've been so deprived of that i think for a really long time (laughs) and so okay and i get that and i fully agree i fully understand like the want to just hug one of the things i love to do in my wheelchair that people are afraid to do with me is to make out of my chair that's my favorite thing to do because i'm in my chair i'm in my element i'm safe in here like Mm -hmm. come into my world for a minute yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, nothing's gonna happen if you put your arms around me. Like, I'm gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, like, nothing's gonna happen if you kiss me. It's good. We're good. Don't worry. Like, ventilator or no, like, I'm sure that you're a hot makeup partner. Somebody should really get on that with you. <laughs> but I like also how you said, like, you know, just a hug too. A mm-hmm. hug would be nice. Yeah, I mean, people are so afraid of it. It's just, it's just really weird. And I'm just like, can you, you gave anyone else a hug? Can you give me a hug too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, 
These people, people deserve hugs, everybody. Exactly. We deserve that, that physical touch, no matter what context it might be in. Yeah. And even if it's not like intimacy, like touch us with consent. It's okay. It's good. We want mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And especially after the last four years, we really want it. Exactly. Like, even if you're maybe hesitant about it, I think you can just ask, like, oh, is it okay if I, you know, that's fine too? <laughs> yeah totally like but people are people are afraid to ask because they're just scared of saying the wrong thing too so like i think what we talked about earlier about communication a second ago like it's so so important it really is and it goes a long way and i think that um maybe able-bodied people kind of take it for granted because they're in a way isn't that much or maybe less things that they have to communicate about uh, as opposed to a disabled person you know has to communicate a lot more things so it's 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 a really big gap I think in terms of how we approach things compared to able-bodied people yeah I, I totally agree and I think sometimes the communication that we have to do I'll do it and I love doing it, but it can be really stressful to be mm-hmm. like, Hey, can you touch me now? Can you give me it? Can you like hug me now? That's it's annoying. Like I remember I was with a friend a few years ago. He came over and visited me and we're great friends. And I love him. And he's a buddy of mine. We're going to see each other again this summer. Um, but because I didn't want to verbalize, can you hug me? I tried to give him like sexy eyes. And he never, he wouldn't get it that I wanted him to like come over and touch me. So he he eventually was like, just tell me you want me to make out with you. Tell me you want me to come over there. And I was like, I would, but I I want you to pick up on my cues because I don't want to always have to tell you that I need, that I want you to come over. And like, it can be really, really stressful to constantly have to be the one to be like, excuse me, I want this. Hi. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm a big, like, like supporter of what you're saying, for sure. Because so many times in terms of, like, romance and intimacy, I feel like the other person should want it, too. So they should also take initiative of it. Like, you know, the communication yeah. part, great, fantastic, wonderful. You know, tell, say what you want explain it whatever that's fine and dandy but the other person should also have some kind of interest in like wanting to do it or wanting to figure it out or like you know just approaching in general yeah and I always worry that like I worry with intimacy that because I wanted so much the other Mm -hmm. person feels obligated and they don't actually want as much as I do and so they feel obligated or they feel like okay, I'll go give him a hug because he really wants one or he he wants to make out now, so I'll go do it because he really wants it. But they don't have the same level of interest and they're too scared to say. And that that's something that's in the back of my mind constantly about intimacy. I'm always worried that I want it too much and the other person doesn't actually want it. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. I completely understand you. Like, I think of myself personally, if I were in a different situation, I would probably be very affectionate, like clingy, like touchy, because um, 
that's just how I am. I think oh you know, my God. My- <laughs> I'm the most clingy. I'm so clingy. You and I would be best friends. Like <laughs> I am what I refer to myself as the clingosaur because I'm so clingy. Like I want to be with you all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. For for sure. Um. So you talked a little bit about how the intimacy is different, and I want to I want to I want to pose a question to you. How do you think that disabled intimacy is better than non-disabled intimacy? Um, amazing question, and I have an amazing answer for you. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Give me the answer. Let's go. Um, just kind of going back to what I mentioned about the duality of like uh, humans and people as a whole, I think that communication in part condemns us as we were just saying, you know, it's tiresome sometimes, it's exhausting, but at the same time, it's so fucking sexy to tell someone like how you want to do something, where you want it, when, you know, and what shape or form, <laughs> like that's also really hot too, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, I've been I've been dreaming about doing like a sexy porn version of an episode of this podcast where like it's a sexy like version where we where we do voiceovers and we like we tell the listener what we want them to do because we can't do it because we're disabled. So I think <laughs> like yeah. one day if I ever do that, I'm calling out on you to be like come on the show and be a character. It'd be so fun. <laughs> I think we should do that. I will happily come on here and be Mistress May or whatever you want me to be. (laughs) You had Mistress May queued up and ready to go, which tells me that somewhere (laughs) deep underneath that chill, that chillness of yours, there's a there's a dom there's a disabled dominatrix in there somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere she lives there. (laughs) there For sure. Um, But I agree with you. I think our our need for communication can make the sex or into or intimacy, whatever you're doing, that much hotter, that much more fun. Um, and I'm so sorry that people see you as a fragile, you know, they see you as this fragile porcelain doll. And that's why I think Mistress May would be so hot because clearly you're not that person. Um, and um, I, I hope for you that you get all the hugs that you need. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny sometimes because, like, um, for example, last year before going to the conference, um, my best friend, I love you, Lacey, if you listen to this, which I know you will because you're one, one of my biggest cheerleaders, um, I was like, hey, you know, I'm really excited to see you, whatever, we're going to have so much fun, you know, all the usual stuff. And I was like, can we just hold hands at the park? <laughs> like, is that an okay <laughs> thing? Because I am so fucking touched the and I would really love that. And she was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I, it's, I, it's, it's like important to just say that kind of stuff. Because I think otherwise people would think you don't need it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and they think that you wouldn't want it or you, you know, especially with all your needs and stuff. I think the way we're touched as disabled folks, I'm touched every day by a caregiver, four to five times a day by Mm -hmm. a different person touching my junk, touching my body. And you reach this point of like 
dissociation where you're like, okay, they're touching my junk right now to go pee or whatever. I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to think about something else. But it takes you out of like, you get so desensitized to that, that when somebody touches you intimately, you're like, what the fuck is this? This feels good and weird and different. What What's going on? This is what, what, what do I do with this? Yeah, I totally feel you on that. And I enjoyed your post so much before about like clinical touch versus intimate touch. It's, it's, it's such a strange thing to navigate, I think. And there's so much to be said about it, but I feel that now, especially that I've been like training new nurses, finding new staff and everything like that. I'm going to have somebody come in, which is like great. Another person here getting to look at all the goods <laughs> you know yeah, but it's, right? it's part it's just part of like the the routine I guess and, and and sometimes it can be kind of disheartening in a way yeah oh I totally agree with that totally agree mm-hmm. with the feeling of being it being disheartening 110 percent and I'm constantly navigating oh, sure. the, like the anger I feel around that but also like the acceptance, like you were saying, like, okay, you're going to touch me, cool, I'll get over it, no big deal. But then also, like, oh. fuck, don't touch me. I wish you weren't touching me right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to move away from intimacy for a second. And I know one of the things you wrote in the question, and I know from the last time we talked that you go to a lot of concerts. I know you love concerts, and I already know the answer to my next question. So I want to know, who's your favorite artist? It's Paula Boy. <laughs> yeah, knew it. There it was. There it is. I knew that already. And so, tell me, just tell me, like, fangirl out about follow about Fall Out Boy for a minute. Oh my God! Thank you, thank you for this opportunity. It's my time to shine. <laughs> um, I've seen Fall Out Boy currently eleven times. Wow. Um, yeah, big shows, very small shows, um, everything in between. I have tickets to see them again in July, and I'm super excited for that. They were, like, on a huge hiatus, and they just released a new album, so I'm very, very, very excited to see the boys again. Um, I've traveled <laughs> to see them. I've been to Chicago, to Wrigley Field to see them. I've been to Do Tampa. You know, have you... Have you met Pete Wentz yet? Are you guys friends? Do you guys like do you have his number? I I have met the band a few times and they recognize me, they know me, and uh, one time they told me it's nice to see you again and I swear to God that's like one of the best things I've ever been told in my whole life. <laughs> I, I listen, I am not an emo kid, that's not my jam, I'm more like a pop girl. But mm-hmm. like but like Pete Wentz back in the day, 2007 Pete Wentz, I was like, oh, that's doing something to my body. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're an attractive gentleman. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I think all the boys are really hot, <laughs> respectfully, because like all of them are married. <laughs> but um, it's, they're just such a great, band i think they've always been so humble so sweet like so different and i think a lot of groups that make it big and then they're just kind of like weird and you know and like yeah stuck up. 
Yeah, so I really, I really love them for the way they've always conducted themselves. And I mean, like, like, they're just so sweet. They're just so nice. And I love that they remember me. And every time I go to a concert and I'm up on the ground, they wave at me. And I'm like, fuck yeah, this is it. This is oh, it. yeah. Look at that. They wave at me. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous. Pete, when Pete Wentz makes my queer heart be like, oh, I feel things for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And now he's got like that long bleached hair. He's looking good. He's looking fine. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a tasty man. He like, is. Dude, he is. Call me anytime and I will show you how to. <laughs> I'll show you lots of things. I'll show you lots of things. Hey, yo. <laughs> of course, you go first because you're the ultimate fangirl. But you should do. Remember, remember like 20 years ago when they did like for MTV when they did like you win your dream day with your favorite band? They should, you should write into MTV and be like, listen. You should be like, I'm severely disabled and get them to feel bad about it. Like, make it a bit of a sob story because that's how we get all the cool things we ever want. Tell them yeah. you're severely, tell them, be like, I'm severely disabled and my one dream in life is to spend a day with the ball up boy. Somebody, <laughs> some poor intern there would be like, oh, it's so tragic. Sure, we'll do it. Let's do it. Like, I feel like you should totally do that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% down and I have plenty of sub stories to share with them specifically in regards to Fall Out Boy because I'll, I'll be super brief about it. When I went to see them in Chicago, I flew Spirit. PSA, never fly Spirit if you're disabled. And when we arrived, um, my wheelchair was fucking broke. It was bent. Out oh of no, shape. what did they do? They bent it out of shape. Yeah, the pole that like connects the seat to the base was bent. It was bent. Oh. Like, yeah. Yeah, they broke it. And I still went to see them, even though my ass was like sideways sitting on that chair <laughs> the whole weekend. And also I had bought tickets to see them in Tampa, which is four hours away from me. And um, that was in like November and I have broken my knees in September. Um, And I still went to see them anyways with my broke ass knees. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You are a true queen. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. Listen, Fallout Boy, she literally fell out to see you. Can you like, bring her up on stage for a show? Come on. Somebody's going to make this happen. I would watch that shit so hard if MTV did that. Yes. Somebody who has money is listening to this show right now. We need to make this shit happen. Hook disabled people up with their favorite band for the day. And yes, it would be full of inspiration porn. I know. Who cares? I'm with my favorite band. Like, like for me, I'd want to do that with, let me think, my favorite musician of the moment. I would want to do that with probably Paramore or Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, those two. Okay, Paramore. Okay. Kelly, Paramore is my jam right now. <laughs> like, I'm going to see them in July. I'm going to see, yeah. No, actually, actually, I'm go- I went to see them four days after we, re- after you listened to this. So hopefully they were great. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Haley Williams is. If I was a straight man, Haley Williams and I would be. We we would be so chill. Or 
you know, we can still be best friends. Like, but seriously, somebody with money, make this shit happen. Hook up disabled people with their favorite artists for the day. Please do it. But we need to do that. <laughs> um, and last um, two years ago, actually, they came on tour with Green Day and Weezer, and I had pit seats for that, of course, because I don't care if they say that they shouldn't be there or not. I buy the pit seats anyways, and think about finding them later, so don't let me in. Um, and I had just recently, before that, had COVID, and I was clear. Don't worry, I wasn't like going over there to be contagious or anything. Um, but I was like still having so many like effects from COVID. Like my voice was out; it was shot. I was I was still feeling kind of weird and the whole thing. And I was all the way up in the front. They they let me in to the pit as they should. And and as soon as they let me in, I just ran. I ran to the stage so fast. I'm like, you guys are not going to take me out of here. <laughs> wow. You're a true fan girl all the way through. Wow. I love it. Oh, my God. And then um, we had posted a picture of me at the show. And, um, like, hours later, when, when I was finally back home, um, everyone was, like, messaging my mom, like, harassing my mom. What was Malin doing outside? Wasn't she just sick? Didn't she have COVID? What is she doing out at a concert? And my mom was like, you know what? That's Malin with her favorite band. If she was in the emergency room, she would ask permission to leave just to go see them. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. I think I, I get it, and and I also get why people were like, "What's going on?" Because they care about you, obviously. But mm-hmm. sometimes you disabled people are allowed to take risks and do stupid things. Sometimes that's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. all right because I I totally agree. You should, but also I'm I also side with them a little bit. Like I love you and care about you, and I don't want you to get <laughs> I don't want you to be sick. So I get it, but also like sometimes you got to do the things because you only live once. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck it, if I get COVID again, it would have been worth it." <laughs> sometimes, and I can already hear the people in the comments being like, "What? That's awful!" No, 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 no. But listen, this just shows that disabled people are not a monolith, and sometimes you're allowed to make dumb decisions. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't. I don't want to be offensive with the whole like COVID situation. It wasn't. No, no, no. And it was shit. But you know, at the same time, I don't know if tomorrow's guaranteed. So I might as well. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I, you know with your disability too. Like because it can so rapidly turn. Sometimes you got to do the things for yourself. Yeah. And enjoy but- your life. That's all we have. That's all we have is the things that we do today and enjoy today. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I talk a lot about accessibility on my channels and I want to, I want, I wonder, and you know, other than you rushing the stage to, and buying pits <laughs> and hoping to let you in, how do you think that we can make concerts truly accessible to folks with disabilities? It's so tricky. It's really complex, and I get it. I have a, a nonprofit initiative called Front Row Accessible, and really it's about trying to navigate that 
subject of um, accessibility and concerts, I really think that the way we start is by having ADA sections in every tier possible, and a lot of venues exclude the floor, and I don't really think that's right, because, you know, we want to be there too like we don't want to be in the 100 level 200 level 400 level like if you can afford it if you have the means to get it like you deserve to be there as well and and if there's a security you know reason um safety reason then just create a barrier and just leave you know people in with assistive devices within that you know, section, but on the floor and in the front where there's a non-obstructive view. I think that there's so many ways to just work around it and make sure that everyone's included. Yeah, and I totally agree with that because I can't tell you the number of times I've been to concerts. I went to see Tegan and Sarah pre-pandemic a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I went to this like, really popular place in Toronto. Um, the, where was it? I can't remember now. I'm supposed the Danforth Music Hall, really, really popular place in Toronto. So we, I go there, and of course, because I'm disabled, where do they see me? Right at the back. So the minute the band comes out and everybody gets excited, what do people do? They stand up. Yeah, yeah. And so you can't see shit anymore. That's totally not cool, and I hate that. Like, there's, it's, it's really just common sense, in my opinion. Like, everyone's going to stand, and you can't stand. So you should be at the front, not at the back. <laughs> oh, we need to make a new rule that, like, don't stand in concerts for people that can't, that are in wheelchairs. Yeah, don't stand and move out of the way. <laughs> yeah, or just move so that somebody can see. And I think, like, but I love what you're doing with the initiative. Say it again for everybody here. Front row accessible. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I share stories of people who had good experiences and bad experiences at concerts. And basically, I just want to like um, take all of these experiences and maybe you know, formulate a document, some kind of official thing that I could send to venues just to advocate for more accessibility efforts, Um, not just with seating, but with everything else, you know, like I have such a pain in the ass about going to venues sometimes because they want to check all my shit, like my medical bag, like my suction bag and everything, and they just don't know what the hell that is, so they're like, no, you can't take it in, and I'm like, like, yeah, I kind of need to take it in. I need it. <laughs> to live. Like, I needed to see the concert right now. What do you Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that's, like, fucking frustrating. Also, like, I think, you know, when I go to concerts or when I want to go to a big event, they don't usually have discounts for attendant care workers. And, like, if I got to bring my nurse or my attendant care worker with me, I don't want to pay an extra 200 bucks for their ticket. I want them to come. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, we need that person to be there with us to go to the event, and we didn't choose to need that person, so I think that a lot of these places could offer some kind of discount, if not for free, you know? Yeah, like free, Ticketmaster, you have the means to do it, figure it out, Mm -hmm. figure it out. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would love to, I love concerts and I love social events. I love doing that stuff. So if you ever need help pushing that out there, like I will put a thing in the show notes. I'll put the Instagram in the show notes of today so that all of you can click and support Front Row Accessible because that's a fucking cool idea. And I'm glad someone's doing it because, because, wow. Yeah, I love going to concerts. I've easily been to at least 200 shows and it breaks wow. my Yeah, it breaks my heart when people tell me, oh, I've never been to a concert because, you know, accessibility. And I'm like, what? You know, me, I'm very like, what the fuck ever? I'm going to go anyways. But I know it's not the same for a lot of people. Like <laughs> uh, um, that's amazing. And I, I, I now want to go to a concert with you just to see, just to see <laughs> your badassery in in action. I want to go to. I definitely want to make that happen. Um, one of the things that I noticed on your social media over the last couple of weeks is that you've been doing fundraising for some disability equipment right now, and I would love it if you would talk to us a little bit more about about what the equipment is, why you need it, what it, what it's for, and then I want to talk to you about: like, Are you frustrated that folks? with disabilities have to fundraise for such vital equipment that other people don't have to think about? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super sad. I I guess Um, right now I have a GoFundMe up for a electric choir lift and also for my seat elevator, which is a function on the power wheelchair that allows the seat to rise up. So I can like reach things, see over things, um, and have a lot more Tell accessibility. The Tell the truth. So you can see Pete Wentz more when 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 you're in concert at pull up uh, so you can Obviously, say, yeah. I need to uh, I need to be at eye level. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what it's for. Um, but here in the states. Um, as a general rule, insurance only um, provides you with a manual one. And right now I'm in like a transition period where I'm like getting um, different caregivers, um, more care because I'm going to be on my own. Um, I'm going to be independent in a little bit. So I, I really want to just like facilitate that component of my care for them by having an electric one which is so much easier than having to like crank up a manual one so I've been fundraising for that and then um, insurances don't generally approve of the seat elevator because they don't find it quote-unquote medically necessary so um, I'm having the new wheelchair built and the company told me like you're gonna have to pay this out of pocket like if you want it and the chair and it's gonna be fifteen hundred dollars and you know i can't afford both of them i could barely afford one of them but you know we have to do these things in order to make everything easier for us and everyone else involved in our in our daily lives yeah and you're so you're saying insurance will only cover a manual for your lift correct yeah that's so fucking <laughs> that pisses me off <laughs> yeah i have used the manual for lift and they are so barbaric from like the 18 fucking hundreds, these machines. <laughs> Pretty because, much, yeah. Yeah, like somebody has to pump the thing and it's they're impossible to use. 
having an electric one makes means that anybody can do your care. Means that if you went to a Follow Boy concert and Pete Wentz fell in love with you and realized that he wanted to have intimacy with you right after the concert, you could then bring him back to your place with the electric hoyer lift and be like, don't worry, we can figure this out. <laughs> no worry, this is really easy, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I, it, it frustrates me to fuck that people have to fundraise for stuff, for stuff like this. That, like the, that Hoyer lift helps you get in and out of bed every day and get helps you start your day, period. Why shouldn't you have the best fucking one? Exactly. And they're so expensive too. Like I, you know, I have to go fund me up to help me out with the payments because essentially I needed to buy one now. Cause like, like I said, I'm in a transition period. I'm like changing agencies and all that stuff. And the agencies require you to have a hoyer lift, whether or not you use it, like for their liability purposes. So I was like, I'm just yeah. going to buy it like now on credit and then figure out the payments later. But like, like they can range from you know, $1,400 to $3,000. Yeah, to three or four grand. Like, that's not, it makes me really mad that people, that you have to fundraise for a basic thing. And also, like, do you, because do you have, you have a ceiling lift at home normally, right? Usually, I'm guessing. No, I, uh, I have, I live in an apartment and I haven't, um, put in a ceiling lift the ceilings are really high so i don't know how that would work and secondly i don't really plan on staying here forever so i you know i just haven't looked into that yet because i don't want to you know make that a permanent thing here yeah yeah so yeah so that's it's even more important for you to have an electric power lift because mm-hmm. you've got to take it with you wherever you end up moving to um it pisses me off that you have to fundraise for that so I, I'm going to put a link to GoFundMe in the show notes today. And please, I'm going to also put it on my social media so that anybody who follows me on Instagram can see it because let's get Malin the fucking the best holy lift that's out there so that when she, like I said, when she falls in love with Pete Wentz and he wants to go back to her place, <laughs> things can go down. Oh my god, yeah. I I jokingly told uh, one of my best friends who I call my child, Kelly, shout out, I love you. I told her, I'm like, you know, one of my goals for 2023 is to have Hoya lip sex. Oops. Um, so yeah, we gotta make it happen. Um, I think we found the title for this episode. There it is, right there, there it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I you know, it's funny, I haven't had Hoyer lip sex for real, but when I did Queer as Folk last year, when I was on the set for that, one of the scenes I got to shoot was me in a Hoyer lift pretending to have my ass eaten out by somebody. So hey. I, haven't I haven't had it for real, but I have had pretend Hoyer lip sex. Okay, well, you need to have it for real. What are you waiting for? Right? I mean... Somebody, let's have horrible sex together, please. Somebody, somebody. Um, <laughs> Put that in the show notes too. Looking for someone to participate in horrible sex. Okay, you heard it here, folks. I know you yeah, want to. There it is. Somebody, you heard it here. Horrible sex. Let's go. 
let's go. <laughs> um, so funny. So funny. I can sit and talk with you all freaking day. You're hilarious. Um, um, so my next question is just a question, a question I think we have to ask more disabled folks more about because we always ask them about, you know, the hard things in their lives and the tough stuff around disability. And, and that's important too. But one of the things we never talk about is I want to ask you, what brings you disabled joy? Um, I love that question and I appreciate you putting that on there because, you know, exactly like you said, there's so much talk about the difficult parts or the negative parts or the whatever, but there's so much beauty and disabled joy too. And I, and I definitely feel like I feel that so often. Um, and a lot of it comes from just right like having other friends with uh disability you know sharing in experiences having someone who understands and then secondly a lot a thing that brings me a lot of disabled joy is helping someone younger than me navigate all the things that I've already been through and just really making it easier for them like that's one of my biggest things like if I can accomplish nothing else in this life I just want to make it easier for someone else to come after me and do it in a way that that isn't so hard or stressful or complicated like that's my thing that helps me go to sleep every night (laughs) And 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 dreaming of popular sex with Pete Lenz. I mean, I mean, yeah. Besides that, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love your like. I love your mission and your drive to leave a legacy for the next generation of people with disabilities like ours, severe complex disabilities like ours. I love that you're like. I wanna, I wanna leave something for the next generation, so they don't have to slog like I did. And I feel very akin to you like that I feel very connected to you when you talk about that because that's all I've ever wanted to do and I've definitely fucked up in trying to do that but it's <laughs> it's a journey that I'm so proud of and I'm so happy you're on it too yeah like you know my mom I love her I adore her she fought tooth and nail for me to have so many of the things that I had growing up and I'm so grateful for that and and now as an adult, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, not only am I grateful, but at the same time, I'm like, it shouldn't have to be this way, you know, like, uh, she, she shouldn't have had to fight the mayor, the congressman, the everyone in between for me to just have access to life, you know, and I want, I really want that to be a, a a driving message in our in our communities you you know we these things should just exist these things should just be there without having to to go to meetings and talk about it and fight about it and advocate for it like i wish and i first of all i want to talk to your mom now she fought the mayor i have so many questions what she Yes, yes. I'll, I'll be brief about it. But basically, when I was going to elementary oh, school... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm ready for you to, to tell the whole thing. It's good. Got time. <laughs> um, when I was going to elementary school, um, 
it wasn't accessible. Like there wasn't really sidewalks. There wasn't really ramps. There wasn't um, an elevator. You know, a bunch of things, accessibility things like that. And I was like moving up in grades, and I was going to need more access to the school and the whole thing. And um, basically, she had fought like Miami-Dade County so much, so hard for months. For me to have access to my classrooms, to PE, to whatever, that um, one day we showed up at school and the like district, one of the district folks from Miami-Dade County Public Schools was like, you miss Miss Annabelkis, that's my mom's name. She's like, he's like, um, you know, the, the, the mayor is here to talk to you about your concerns. Like you have fought this so hard for so long. We have someone here that can do something about it now. Um, and we would like to set up a meeting with you. <laughs> wow. Good for her. That's incredible. Good for your mom's a fucking power ass. Take no prisoners. Like what? I love yeah, it. That's good. She absolutely is, yeah. But also I agree with like the advocacy doesn't always have to be a fight. And that's why I love kind of doing not passive advocacy, but I do like the idea of turning advocacy into less of a fight and more of a conversation. And so I love that you're like so open to doing that because the fighting is like, it's tiring, man. I don't want to fight. I just want to have a conversation about what I want. I don't I don't want to have to explain this every goddamn time like you should get the picture right now yeah like especially in 2023 it shouldn't be this hard and also I don't want to fight with you I want to be your friend and I want to bring you into my experience if I fight with you we become adversaries and I want to do that yeah I just want to have fun I mean for a good time not a long time <laughs> I mean <laughs> There's so many like disability layers to that to that to that I'm here for a good time and a long time and it's true. <laughs> yes. It's true. Like it's, it's true. You are such a light. I'm so I'm so happy that we did this. I'm so, there I mean I could sit and talk with you for like so much longer. This has been one of my favorite interviews of 2023. And one of my favorite interviews on the show ever. Oh my goodness. Like you're one of my favorite people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with the disability after dark audience? Um, I just want to share one of my favorite messages to share with everybody. Like at the end of all the discussions and all the advocacy and all the questions and all the stuff. Really what is at the bottom of all this is the fact that we're all human beings sharing the same mutual experience with one another. And because of this, we should be doing so much better for our fellow humans on this planet. Like, it's, it's just about that. And I think once you remove all the 
you know, maybe scary things, daunting things, intimidating things. At the end, it's just a person. I'm just a person. You're just a person. So, so we need to really get together and like make all of this so much better for each other. Cause that's, that's all there is. It's just a human experience. It looks a little bit different for me. It looks a little bit different for you, but it, it's all the same. We're all people, you know? So I really, I really like to tell people that because it kind of puts things in perspective. Uh, I think they focus so much on the exterior kind of, oh, I'm not familiar with this. I don't know what this is. I've never seen this before. And that's fine. And that's valid. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I am a human with human needs. So, yeah. I mean, do with that what you will, but it's really important to remember at the end of the day. And you need P1 to give you oil. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You're going to make me blush a little bit. <laughs> I love it. Good. Good. Um, Malin, I had so much fun. Not in, no word of a lie. This is my, one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my god! I had so like, much fun too. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. Again. I want to have I you really... back. I want to let's bring do you... it again. Let's do round three. I, <laughs> I want yeah round three for us. Round two for you. I would love to have you back <laughs> on the show talking about who knows what. But like, I want to also find a way to work with you. I we we need to talk more off here because you're awesome. Um, yeah, let's do some really cool stuff. <laughs> I'm here for it. How do the people that are listening get a hold of you? How can they support you? Just tell me where they can quickly find you, and I'll put the rest in the show notes. Um, uh, Instagram, really, at May the Sunrise. Um, I'm there most of the time. I'm trying to do the TikTok thing. I'm kind of like, I have like a steep learning curve with like technology stuff. But once I get it, I'm really good at it. So I'm like trying to do videos of like things that I do, um, activities that I go to, whatever. That's also made the sunrise if you want to follow me on there. But mainly I'm just on Instagram and, and I like to share my, my experience and my life and all the things that I participate in. So if you want to be a part of that, absolutely give me a follow. And obviously you do. Obviously the answer is yes, they do. Um, this was so fun. I'm going to talk to you more off the air in a second because you're fucking awesome. Uh, and um, thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. And I will have you back for sure. And we can talk about when you finally seduce P1s to have the horrible sex. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here and shining a light on these stories with me. Thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can go to www.andrewgerza.com. Anytime, all my links are there. If you want to support the show in any way, we, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts 
or you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and that will give you access to the show one day early, completely ad-free for as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more if that works for your budget. Also, there are yearly amounts available there. So if you wanted to do that, that would be great. If you're able to, I would appreciate it. If you want to be a guest on the show, please email me directly at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com or andrew at andrewgerza.com. I would love to have you and shine a light on your story. Thank you so much for listening to these episodes and supporting disability content by listening to Disability After Dark. And we will see you for our next episode in two weeks. Thanks, friends. Talk to you soon. Bye! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co-Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2023